Welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. I'm Julie. You're going to hear from Corey in a minute. We are a radio show that focuses on small businesses, entrepreneurship, growing your business, all those things. And I just want to point out, this show is for winners. So if you're a loser, scram. That's right. Scram. (laughs) You dropped a new line in there on me. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. Uh, Today's show, after the um, first break, we've got Callie Keen. Um, Callie is actually a good friend of ours. He is, Callie's amazing. He's brilliant. And so really hope that we get lots of folks tuning in to listen to him. He can talk product like nobody I've ever seen. We like to call him product genius. Uh, He also spent a lot of time early on um, just helping SB Pace as we got started. He's really been a big, big supporter and helper of us. So we're, we're, we're big fans of Callie. Uh, He's got two businesses. He's got a family business, K-Form, that has been around for a long time. And I'm not going to pretend to know, but I'm sure Callie will fill us in when he joins. And then he has another business called Red Blue Collective. And he also has a top-rated podcast. He has a great podcast that's all about product development and working with products and getting it out into the marketplace. So Callie's amazing and we can't wait to talk to him. And we're going to really talk to him about... um, collaboration. He's an expert in collaboration. He's got some great stories. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah. And collaboration is such an important part of being an entrepreneur, having people you can talk to, having people you can bounce ideas off of people who are willing to just give up their time, which is extremely valuable to help you in your business. And that's one thing that Callie has definitely done for us is being Hey, let's jump on a call. Let's talk through that. Let's work on this project together. Let me hear your ideas, which is extremely helpful for us and just helpful for business owners in general. So you're not living kind of like in an echo chamber or in a chamber by yourself. Right. <laughs> I do. I like echo chambers, though. I prefer to live you in do. one. Of those. <laughs> I prefer to live in one of those versus listening to the nonsense of all these other gurus and experts. And I used air quotes on gurus. Um, yeah. So that'll be. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great conversation. And you're absolutely right, Corey. Collaboration is critical for success as an entrepreneur. But um, let's, you want to do some questions that everybody should be asking, but they probably aren't. We're just going to jump right into that right um, now? We don't have to. Okay. I mean, that's our show. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. So, I, you know what, what I want to do? What do you want to do? I want to jump I want, into questions everybody should be asking. No, I want to I want to make an ask of our listeners. Okay. Can I do that? Am I allowed to do that? Sure. I can do anything I want. Yeah. So, every week, if you listen to the show, you already know I do this. I listen to the show, right? I re-listen. And the reason I listen is to improve it. So, I last week sent Corey a list of like 20 things that we could do to improve the show, make it better, right? Continuous improvements, the name of the game. I'm wondering if our listeners would give us feedback on things that they think we could improve on, right? I feel like that would be really helpful. I 100% agree. And that actually is coincidentally one of the questions that oh, we're going to talk about. But I didn't even know that. Yeah, because you didn't read them until <laughs> never. <laughs> um, right. The uh, just getting the honest feedback. And so that's something that uh, we ran into some issues uh, with our business. And I think that everybody kind of does because you talk to somebody about your product, your idea, anything it is that you're, you're trying to sell and people will say, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Cause they don't want to hurt your feelings. 
when they don't realize you don't have feelings. Well, not even not even just that. It's that <laughs> it was much better. It's much better for you to give honest feedback and let people know that hey, this product sucks or this is good, but this isn't some you know some place you can improve. Any any kind of honest feedback is more helpful than being just nice to somebody. Agreement, and I you know and and not it doesn't just apply to products, right? So certainly on the service side, right? Where if it's like I don't think anybody really needs that service, or you're way overpriced, or even way underpriced, right? I got some great feedback yesterday that former client who um, is about to. Um, come back and do some more work with us. And he, he, he said like you and Corey continuously, like you, you undersell yourselves. He's like, I don't, he's like, I don't know if it's a tactic or if it's that you're just not confident in selling. He's like, but you're both like so good at what you do, but the way that you sell it, it's like, we think we can help you. I'm like, I don't feel like I do that anymore. I used to, but I'm now I'm, I'm a, baller when it comes to sales now, Corey. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. There. It's the, the uh, sales isn't really in our nature. So it's, it's hard for me for sure, especially with services, because I'm, I'm still trying to figure out this whole you, service based right. industry. You still give our, you would give our stuff away for free. Yeah. I don't know what people pay us to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, That's why but, I own sales. <laughs> yeah. But the people, like I, I can sell products because and like, it's easy for me to justify this piece of material costs this much money. It costs this much time. It can provide this much value. The services, especially when it's just talking for me is, is harder because like I'm getting paid to talk, which in my previous line of, of work, I got paid to provide a product and like talking was just kind of complimentary. Are you talking about tacos? Yes. Okay. Just restaurants in general, but yeah, like you like shooting the shit with your customers was part of the job. Yes. You're sell you're not selling your words, you're selling the food, the drinks. Right. So it's it's something that I've had to figure out and I'm I'm slowly getting there, but yeah. Slowly. Yeah. But you are you're getting there and it's and that's okay because it makes you more likable. No. No. <laughs> All right. Well, now let's seriously jump into answers to questions everybody should be asking. Yeah. I'm not going to do that drop yet. Okay. Still got to figure all that stuff out. Okay. So. I was, I'm kind of bummed. I'm kind of bummed. Are we at least going to do the one when we bring Callie in? Yes, we can do that. Okay. One. Perfect. Still trying to figure it out. We are professionals, folks, but, uh, you know, yes. <laughs> still trying to figure some things out. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the, one, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be a question. It's going to be a topic that I'm just going to bring up because a lot of people, when they're launching a product, they want it to be perfect. Mm-hmm. What's the downfall in that approach? Of a perfect, of waiting till your product is perfect? Yes. Product or service is perfect? Can we say it that sure. way? Or is, are we, is this specific to product? What, whatever you're selling. Well, perfection is pretty much not achievable. So you're going to be waiting forever, right? And depending on how you're getting the the feedback, right? So I could have this great concept and I go out and make a, um, you know, a, what's that called when you make an initial? The minimum viable product or yeah, the yeah, beta? The, or? The, a beta product, right? That I'm going to put out, right? 
and prototype a prototype that's the word i was looking for i'm sure callie is just like absolutely screaming right now going oh my god how do you not know these words but anyway um if i can make a prototype and then send it to some people for some feedback and then feel like do i need to take all that feedback i don't you know and then i improve it and then i do it again and i keep iterating through that but there's always going to be feedback because People have different opinions on what the product should be, even though it's my product that I am bringing to life. And so if I'm waiting for perfection and for nobody to have any complaints about it, I'm never going to release that product. And it's going to get really expensive to get it out into the market because I'm not making any money and I'm just churning on that particular thing. Now, of course, I don't want to release something that's going to, you know, light somebody on fire that's a bad idea unless that's the purpose of your product correct in which case, correct amundo perfect and i do have a news story <laughs> later about lighting someone oh, on fire excellent <laughs> yeah that that minimum viable product that i mentioned earlier is it, you need to figure out what it is that you're solving what problem you're solving mm-hmm. so whether it's a service or a product it doesn't matter like what what is the problem that's getting solved and you need to solve for that the additional bells and whistles and um, all of that fun stuff that people want to add on, or it would be cool if it was, if I could choose my own color, like all of those little things you can add on later and it helps improve your product. And you might be able to resell the same product to the same person because it's packaged differently. I know that I've done that. I'm like, well, I want the one that's in camo now. <laughs> and you paid the camo tax exactly. on that, right? Yeah. yeah. No, I understand. Okay. What's, well, I feel like that's a good answer. Uh, All right. I got a question for you. Okay. My question for you is how do I do a competitive analysis and why would I do a competitive analysis? Well, if you're launching any kind of product or service, you need to figure out whether or not it's something that people actually want. You might have this great idea in your head. And if you're not getting the honest feedback from your peers about, well, that's great because it solves the one problem that you have, but there's nobody else that's having that problem or that really isn't a problem. I need to pause you. Did you hear me say market research or competitive analysis? Well, competitive analysis, but that's where I'm starting. So first of all, you need to figure out if it's something that actually you should be selling. Okay. And then you have to find people who are already selling it because there's a 99.999% chance that you are not the first one in this market. It could be something new, It could be like some little thing that you're improving on an existing product or Mm -hmm. service, but you need to figure out what, what the size of that, that industry is. So you can figure out if it makes sense for you to go into business, because if it's saturated or if it's something that isn't really needed or any of those things, you need to, uh, you need to know that. So before you start spending any real money or time working on that product and then from there, you just need to pick, I don't know, somewhere six to eight different categories that you can compare yourself to your competitors. So pick big competitors, small competitors, get like a good kind of group. Right. You uh, want direct and indirect. Exactly. And, and always remember that nothing is a competitor sometimes. So mm-hmm. if you're, uh, let's say you're selling a service that uh, helps you pick out clothes in the morning or something like that. I don't know, something dumb. It's like, well, everybody needs this, especially people who aren't good at 
putting outfits together or whatever. It's like, yeah, I could pay you or I could just do it myself. I don't have to pay you mm-hmm. to do it. So understanding that. And then you find those, like, like I said, about eight categories that you can compare yourself against. So you want price, you want to know what their uh, customer service is like, or their brand, like their, their tone, their um, social media, like all of those things. Pricing. Yeah. Price. I think that's I don't, know. I don't know. That doesn't matter. But yeah, so pick those things and then just compare and you can find most of that stuff on the internet or you can just pick up a phone and call people. Right. And then you can use that information to make a better product or service or figure out more importantly, how to differentiate yourself in the marketplace so that you can um, stand out because you do not want to blend in when yes. you are, when you're in the market. And I, 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 you know, I know there are other questions that people should be asking, but I have to ask you this question. When you said <clears throat> a service that picks out your clothes for you in the morning, you know what it reminded me of? What's that? The app that you had the idea for Well, that. Yeah. That was an idea that I had because I was, what like, was the name of that? I does this, does but basically <laughs> somebody can run with this idea, but the whole, the whole concept was kind of like, I'm going to say crowdsourcing yeah. um, opinions on clothes because the long story short, I was getting ready for an interview. I'm functionally colorblind and I didn't know if my tie went with my shirt. And this is before I had a smartphone and my girlfriend at the time was at work. And so I had no way to know, like, do I look like an idiot or not? I'd be like, really cool if I could like go somewhere and, have somebody like say, Oh no, that doesn't work or whatever. How, um, how did you solve the problem? I just gave up on trying. Did you wear a tie or just didn't? I just put a tie on you. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, you got it. We got time for another question. You got another All question. Right, so how me? do you know if you're getting honest feedback? Um, I, <laughs> I, I guess if you can ask like multiple people, like crowdsource your feedback. And if you get the same feedback from everybody, then it's probably honest or you're just asking weak ass people who don't want to tell you the truth. I don't, I mean, I think instinctively, you know, right. If you're going to somebody for feedback, like, Hey, does this make sense? Or is this a good idea? You, you kind of know going in, if it is or isn't, you're looking for somebody to validate for you or some, maybe somebody to tell you like, this is a great idea or eh. But I feel like all feedback should come with yes, but, or yes, and here are some things you could do to make it even better. I agree. And two things in there you said. So um, that getting your um, getting your idea validated, people mm-hmm. go out, I have this great idea. And I'm like, you have that bias. You're only going to get the information that you want to get because mm-hmm. you're only searching out that information. Um, and then the other thing is if you get a hundred percent positive feedback on your idea, you're getting lied to. Right. You remember how much we cheered when we got our first like three star or four star review on our podcast? Yeah. Cause we were like, Oh, finally somebody legitimized us. Like the five star ones are great. Yeah, they are. And I mean, and they're well-deserved, but not everybody is going to love what we do. Right. And so that is completely normal to not get. 100% right. positive and, feedback. And how do they give feedback when like, let's say they love me, but they hate you or they love you and they hate me, which is what happens with our reels. I, I don't know. 
I don't, I don't, you can't like you can't rate say, half a show. You can't, but you could leave a comment. You could, yeah. Like Julie's amazing. Corey sucks. That's fine. I don't read them, so I wouldn't <laughs> even know. <laughs> I know. You leave all of the heavy lifting to me. Oh, the reading feedback, reading comments. Well, somebody has to. I mean, if somebody sent show. me an email, you sent me an email. I read it. What did I say? Oh, with all the feedback. Yeah, exactly. We could do differently. <laughs> yes, that's true. You did read it. You're not taking you're not putting it into practice right now, but you did it. You did read it. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be really nice to you. No, you're not. I did not say that. I did not this say is the, that. The next, the entire rest of the show is me being very nice to Julie. That is so uncomfortable for everyone involved. I am 100% aware of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I never, I never said that. So, yes. all right. I think we're going to go to a break and then we are going to bring in, um, we're going to bring in Callie. And yes, we just got some feedback that our audio engineer is the best part of our show. A loyal listener yes. sent that in. All right. We're going to see you on the other side with Callie Keen. Hey, everybody. This is Corey from Defeat the Chaos, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about SB Pace. That's the company that Julie and I co-founded. We offer coaching and consulting services to small business owners, helping them to reach new levels inside of their businesses. One of our most popular services is our one-on-one -on -one coaching, where we work directly with small business owners just like you to make your business more efficient. We guide you through finding more time in your day to focus on the tasks that bring the most value to your business and accelerate your revenue growth. This one-on-one, -on -one, well, technically two coaching is built around your schedule and your goals and will help keep you on track to make your business a success. There are no strings attached, no long commitments, and it's priced perfectly for any small business. If you're struggling to find time to grow yourself and your business, or you want to find ways to improve your financial situation, head on over to sbpace.com slash small dash business dash coaching to sign up. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. All right, and welcome back to the show. We've got Callie Keen on. Thanks for joining us today, Callie. Hey, thanks for having me. We are excited to, to talk to you about this. So we talked about um, collaboration and, and creating new products and services uh, before you joined. And we know that you help people create new products. So would you mind telling um, our listeners a little bit about you? Yeah, I'll give the, I'm, I'm, I'm still getting my, uh, my sea legs about this talking about yourself thing. So you'll have to ex excuse me for being like a poor, a poor guru, but uh, yeah, my, <laughs> My, my background is in manufacturing and product development. I think that's the cause because I am in a, it's a, it's a binary world. Things exist. It, there's not a whole lot of puffery in, in uh, the universe that I come from, 
but I've developed hundreds of products for companies of all sizes, uh, billion dollar companies down to high growth startups, innovative entrepreneurs. We've done gotten money from big VCs and from Kickstarter. So across the board, a lot of interesting experience from that. And just brass tacks is that as a manufacturer, I don't get to make anything if they don't get to sell it. If they don't run a good business, uh, I don't really have a client anymore. So that more and more got me into the coaching and consulting world because I got to see firsthand what worked sitting at a table in my business, drawing out a product and then working all the way up to making hundreds or thousands or in the case of some really fortunate products, them making hundreds of thousands of those products. So distilling down what what actually worked. And then I thought, hey, if people had a process, and I'm still a huge fan of processes, but I thought, hey, if everybody just knew that there's a process for innovation and innovation like collaboration is one of those dirty entrepreneur words that people overuse and abuse. But I thought if they just knew the steps that were involved, they would be more successful. And I went out there and started speaking, started working with startups, started running incubators and community uh, events and programs. And that kind of got me into this whole entrepreneur world. And that's where Red Blue Collective came from. And uh, I don't know, I, because, because of my, I guess, uh, let's, let's say realist background or kind of contrarian background, I'd say like optimist contrarian, uh, I formed this brand called End Hype. And that's what my podcast is named. And that's what I'm kind of known for because there's so much puffery in the world. There's puffery in the entrepreneur space and the personal development space, product development space, startup world. It's just, you see this kind of like uh, puffed up silliness over and over again. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not a huge fan. So. I would a hundred percent agree on the, all those like uh, fancy terms and catchphrases and all of that. And I actually have a news story at the end uh, that I'm going to talk about maybe if we have time um, about redefining that's another one of those um, disrupting all of those. I'm just like, oh yeah, make a good product. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were you're talking about MVPs, and that's that's one of my favorite on the hit list, on the end hype hit list. Because in general, people will come to me with ideas, and I think ideas are great. They're what inspires you to get started, and you should have a little bit of hubris because you're going to be an entrepreneur. It's hard work. You you got to at least feel like you're going to do something important, and you're going to make it happen, right? But uh, People try to make, they just try to make a junk version of their product instead of making a, a simple, well-executed solution to a problem that exists. So they, they go idea first instead of customer first. And so the whole idea of MVP, I think, is, is trash. And the way that people who are product entrepreneurs implement it is, is dangerous at best. So I just don't even use the term. I just... That's interesting. Is that Butters that we hear in the background? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Butters. Um, all right. So I, I, I want to ask a follow-up question about that because now I'm really curious. How would you answer that question that Corey asked about the pro? What was it? The problem with waiting until you have a perfect, perfect product. Yeah. Perfect. When, product. when do you know that you should launch? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great question, and it. it, it... You're fine. You're fine. 
Sorry. Yeah, I'm in the office and all the dogs just came in. <laughs> it's cool. It's all right. We like dogs. Okay. Well, I apologize. But yeah, so I built. <laughs> now it's kind of getting out of control there, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll fill in for a bit while you uh, go. Scram dogs. Yeah, get the dogs out of there. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Well, well I feel like. Uh, I'm no longer going to use the word MVP anymore. I'm not either. I yeah. didn't know that was a, a a bad word to say. I because I thought like in general, and, and I guess we'll find out when Callie comes back on in terms of the um, knowing when to launch. Because in, in my opinion, the idea was you want to get to that point where it's something that's useful, but it's not. Yeah, it's not like you you didn't spend too much time or money and try and put all the bells and whistles in there. Yeah, I that's I, I am very interested to hear what he has to say about that. And I also will say I that's one of, one of the reasons that I really, really like Callie is that he's very, very, you know, straightforward. I love how he describes himself as an was it an optimistic realist. Is that what he said? Hey, everybody. Sorry. Okay. Sorry about that. It's okay. uh, dog, dog time in the office. So they're they're all running around like crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> very frustrating. But uh no, it's optimistic contrarian. contrarian. I just, yeah, yeah, I just, it, it, it's just people, they want to have a dialogue with the market. And this kind of gets into the, uh, my philosophy around how to build products and how to collaborate. And really, if you look at, if you look at a business as I want to build a brand and a brand is what someone else says to someone else about what we're doing. It's a conversation piece, right? And we want to be the author of that, of that conversation. We want to help that narrative be formed. And yep. products do that in a really unique way because instead of telling somebody, you could show somebody. They can experience it with them. So when we understand that about building a brand and really that collaboration is just a high level version of that. We're getting somebody influential, we're getting a thought leader or another business to tell that message, right? What we have to understand is that it's got to be good, <laughs> right? We have to build great things and great things can be very simple. So we don't have to solve all of the problems. In fact, I really suggest that people look at the market, instead of looking at competitors, you look at it as an ecosystem of potential collaborators. So you're helping somebody move from point A to point B in their life, and you're contributing towards that transformation or what that goal is that they're trying to do. So if your product can do something even really small to help them move along the way, other things that facilitate that change become your potential collaborators or things that you can do, you know, joint ventures with. There's it, it starts a conversation and a place for you to fit into the market. So it's helps solve like other buzzwords that you hear like product market fit and getting feedback. But in general, I, I took the MVP process and kind of put it in the trash. And we use a process called traction products and it just, it was born out of a thought experiment that I had in, in my incubator is what is the most simple way that you can solve a customer's problem so well that they would talk about you. Um, and for physical products, we were able to look at what people were 
actually solving, have conversations with those people, figure out the shortcomings of what they had tried in the past and, and what they liked. And then we were, we could make something really, really simple, really simple to just be able to start a conversation with one person and 10 people and get feedback. Because I really believe in feedback from people that want to pay you money. Yes. Those are the people you want the feedback from, right? Right. So if I say like, I want to serve this niche of people, and that goes into another conversation that I don't think we have time for today, but I believe in serving communities of people, uh, identities. I think our world is kind of fixated on organizing itself by identities, but we're serving a group of people that we like and we actually care about. And if we actually care about them and we want to grow a business, it doesn't have to be about our idea today. It can be about our idea tomorrow and we could sell somebody else's product. We can be an advocate for somebody that we want to collaborate with later and we can build a brand and start building revenue and a conversation around solving problems. And then we can look at simple private label products or customized versions of the private label products. And uh, it's, it's much more approachable because when we get into my universe of prototyping and manufacturing, the costs are pretty extreme for most entrepreneurs, most people's budgets, right? So if somebody gives me an idea and says, what would it cost for, to get this product from scratch to launch? And I tell them, oh, it'll be $150,000 or it'll be a million dollars. I don't want them to give up. I want to be able to break down a roadmap and say, well, what do you want to achieve? And let's reverse engineer what that is in like a very definitive way, not in a fluffy way. It's like, we can sell this today. You can build a brand around this, refine your messaging. Then you can take that to people that have money and say, hey, I have a huge list of customers. I have a following. I have a brand and I've proven sales, and now I want to get a little bit of investment, or I want to get a loan to take this to the next level, and the next level, and the next level. So yeah, those those traction products are great for attracting investors. Once you're able to prove that you can sell them, and um, we're Corey and I are actually working with a client right now who their the timeline to get their initial product that they want to go to market with to market is so long because of everything that's happening in the world right now that they were able to find a shorter path with a different product that still fits into that same market segment. So it goes after the exact same target audience. And like we just this past week, we were really drilling them very hard about asking them questions to make sure that they didn't just pick any product so they could get something to market that the product made sense for what they were trying to achieve overall with that brand and with their company. And like, I, we, our goal was to try and get them to the point of like, yeah, this, you're right. This isn't a good idea. And they had such solid answers for every question we asked and they had done, they really had done the homework. And so we're like, all right, let's roll with it. Let's keep pushing forward. So it's a, and it's a much cheaper alternative for them to go to market first to establish the brand. And then they can get the funding and have some revenue coming in to be able to launch the product that they really, really want to launch. And that I think will just kind of explode in the marketplace once they get it out there. Yeah, I've done it over and over with people and it 
if you can set the negative side of ego aside, right? If you can be like, it's not about my idea. It's about building a business or achieving some kind of personal goal or impact goal, or you can, you can focus on, on reality versus like the fantasy of, I had this giant dream and now it's an unachievable (laughs) obstacle. Uh, the traction products, it, it works, it works pretty well. Um, but later it serves people because then they can do things like bundling. They can, uh, at, they learn how to source and add on products or just work, work with vendors when it's, it's less of a risk, right? You, th- you think about risk mitigation. Um, and I used to work with more startup type people and they would want to put millions of dollars into like one shot. We're going to develop one problem, like one product. Well, they, they definitely developed one problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, we want to make an automated pet feeder. And it's like, great. Um, but it's, it, their business becomes almost like a, a binary situation of success where right up into the point where they have sold 20, 5,000 units, they're a failure. So it's, it's like the cost of their business was the cost of marketing, tooling, engineering, 25,000 units of inventory, fulfillment, like every spin-up cost was a negative on the runway up until the moment that they hit that. And to, to say, here's how much funding I have for an idea, I need almost $5 million just for an idea. Whereas in reality, they could have I don't, they could have done something so much easier. They could have started a pet blog or started, right. you know, started selling pet food or something very approachable um, and, and built a brand. And this is exactly why startups, when somebody is a brand new entrepreneur, they need to be working with a coach who has done it before or with an expert who has launched businesses before and can give them that guidance and that difficult feedback. Ultimately, they can still make that choice of, I want to do this, but they can be like, all right, well, you're going to have to go find somebody else to do that with, because that is going to, you're going to go bankrupt before you ever get the product. to. You're not doing it with me. (laughs) Right on. Exactly. (laughs) And there's that, that whole, um, like you got to learn to walk before you run. And for a lot of people, they want to just, they want to hit a home run. I'm going to use so many cliches in this. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they want to, they want to just knock it out of the park on their very first try. It's like, well, no, let's just work on, let's work on just getting to bait, you know, getting, to, getting to first base. And then okay. we can kind of go from there. Um, and that's, you, you know, it, it's not fun. Well, the, the hard, the hardest part is running the business and really making marketing and operations work as a team together. And you can do that without additionally adding the risk and costs of it being a million dollar custom product, right? You can build a team out with revenue and you can learn what your channel strategy is, what you're, what you're doing, how fulfillment works, how customer service works, all of those pieces with anything. So yeah, learning to walk before you run. It's the same as... Um, I want to draw a parallel between this and collaboration is that I am a huge proponent. Most of my revenue, most of my success has come from doing partnership deals 
and we get validation by working with users and then moving that over to someone who owns a channel, owns an audience. But people will want to do the same thing with collaboration. They'll say like, if I could just work with XYZ, all my problems would be solved, but they have to become the type of business that's worth collaborating with. So they have to build traction and brand in the market and then move over there. It's, it's not binary. It's a, it's a process, right? Yeah. And I, I wish that we would have, we're going to have to bring you back, Callie, because we want to, we definitely want to talk more on collaboration though. I do love where this conversation went because there's a lot of people who want to develop products and don't understand conceptually everything that goes into it. And like the, the, that there are processes that you can follow steps you can take that are going to better ensure your success or increase your likelihood of success. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, For sure. That's why there's product development companies that do it over and over and over again. And you can use as an entrepreneur, you can use light versions of those processes to develop things and greatly reduce your risk, speed your time to market. It's um, it is like, it's a known and solved problem. It's still very difficult, but there are, there are people out there that, that do that. And if it's a good fit, I'm one of those people. (laughs) So, so, we will, you, we, and people can find you at redbluecollective.com. Is that correct? That's correct. You can listen to the End Hype podcast. I pretty much put out any information that I know for free. Uh, and then people can judge for themselves if they want to message me, DM me, email me, and take the relationship further. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we will be right back after the break. Hey everybody, this is Corey from Defeat the Chaos, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about SB Pace. That's the company that Julie and I co-founded. We offer coaching and consulting services to small business owners, helping them to reach new levels inside of their businesses. One of our most popular services is our one-on-one coaching, where we work directly with small business owners just like you to make your business more efficient. We guide you through finding more time in your day to focus on the tasks that bring the most value to your business and accelerate your revenue growth. This one-on-one, well, technically two coaching is built around your schedule and your goals and will help keep you on track to make your business a success. There are no strings attached, no long commitments, and it's priced perfectly for any small business. If you're struggling to find time to grow yourself and your business, or you want to find ways to improve your financial situation, head on over to sbpace.com slash small dash business dash coaching to sign up. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America business channel it's time to take charge of your own career path but how do you get started first tune into the career confidant with marie zimanoff each show will feature national business leaders tips and insight from marie and her guests career management tools and a weekly career smart tip she'll help you move forward earn that promotion get hired into the career you want and brand yourself The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. All 
All right, welcome back to Defeat the Chaos. We just interviewed Callie Keen and it was fantastic. So if you're just joining us, first off, scram because you should have been here at the beginning. <laughs> just kidding. It was a great interview. Go back and listen to it. Um, but now we're going to talk about, well, what do you want to do first, Corey? You want to do our locks of the week or do you want to do current events? Uh, let's just get the locks of the week out of the let's, way there. Let's do it. Wrong button. That is... That's the right button. <laughs> Man, this is today. We're working it all out on this yes. show. Y'all are hearing how that, that how whistle means it's lock of the week time. <laughs> uh, we went, uh, Julie and I both went one and O last week on our picks. And we got um, a couple of a uh, couple of winners for you this week. You want to go first? I do want to go first. I also just want to say I told everybody bet the house on my pick last week. And my pick was so good last week. I took Tennessee Titans. At minus three and a half. And I think they won by like 20. Uh, they covered by 28 points. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that might've been the best pick I've made all season. Michigan state covered off a of garbage pick six at the end of the game, but covered. Hey. a cover's a cover, exactly. man. A, a backdoor a cover. All right. I, this week I am taking the Los Angeles Rams at minus four and a half. I wouldn't bet the house on them, but you can feel comfortable betting your car. Okay. Um, <laughs> what if my car isn't paid off? Mm, okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So, okay. Um, and I'm going to go with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers plus five and a half at the Ravens. Um, always a, an interesting game. It seems like the Steelers are rivals with pretty much everybody in the AFC. Um, so can't really say, oh, this is a rivalry game, uh, but they need the win to make it to the playoffs. Baltimore is kind of falling apart. Steelers plus five and a half. Right. There's some interesting stats for the Steelers and the Ravens when they play each other. I think it's like 85 or 86% of the games um, in the last like 10 years have been um, within like three points. Yeah. It's something like that. And um, also I think traditionally um, they play each other twice every year yeah. and the Ravens will cover one game. The Steelers will cover one game. Yes. Yes. But Anyway, okay, that was that was football talk. Let's get into current events. Let's do it. Let's get into current events. I don't have any sound effects for that. Oh, okay, that's okay. Do you have a particular story you want to cover? Um, well, yeah, I'm going to start off real quick uh, with one with a shameless plug for us that um, I'm sure everybody across the country heard about the debacle on I-95 um, earlier this week with the snowstorm. And there were some people who got caught. They were stuck on the highway for like 16, 20 hours, yeah. like something ridiculous like that. And um, a couple of things that uh, I think everybody can learn from that is the importance of being prepared. And we wrote a book about it um, that you can find on our website for your business on how to prepare for disasters in your business. But I think just in general, everybody should be a little prepared when it comes to things like that. Cause yeah, you make that commute every day from Fredericksburg to DC, but something bad like that might happen. Um, but the one funny thing was that uh, in the news, you know, loves to sens sensationalize everything. They were talking, people were um, pleading for food. It's like, oh, you haven't had a meal in eight hours? You can survive. <laughs> <laughs> I also heard that they were blaming um, Governor Youngkin for the I disaster, not realizing he hasn't taken office yet. Yes, yeah, some schmuck like <laughs> was she got blown up on Twitter where she she was talking about that and like, hey, uh, 
Youngkin's not the uh, governor yet. He's not so. the governor yet, people. Yeah. Like, learn to pay so attention. Stay prepared, everybody. Yeah. Pack, pack some warm clothes, a little bit of food, a little bit of water in your car. It doesn't yeah. take up much room. No, just get a snack or two going. Oh, and toilet paper, too. You should carry that in your car as well. Everybody in the country should be stocked up on that yes. still. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, here's my story. A sixth grader gave a classmate the Heimlich maneuver and saved a woman from a fire in one day. It's an 11-year-old boy from Oklahoma. One, good for him. And two, I know it's illegal, but he should go buy a lottery ticket. He really should, right? Like that that doesn't happen on the same day to anybody. That doesn't happen. Those two things don't happen to most people in their lives. Yeah, he rescued a woman from her house was on fire and he saved her. And he just, he was, and as a result, he was named honorary member of both the sheriff's office and the police force and was recognized by the board of education as in his hometown of Muskogee. Muskogee? That sounds right. A city about 50 miles southeast of Tulsa. Good for him. Yeah. I, that's our good news of the day. Awesome. Um, I want to get into a couple of things that are all kind of interconnected. So I already talked, brought it up with um, Callie about redefining being a, a catchword that. Yeah. Like uh, redefining the new normal. There's that. <laughs> but um, Sony has announced that they're going to redefine the mobile, like the automobile experience. They're getting into the electric car game, Sony, the TV and PlayStation company and the Walkman company. (laughs) (laughs) And in their words, they're redefining the experience. I don't know how you can redefine the experience. I mean, I feel like Elon Musk would have something to say about this. I mean, yes and no. There's there's bells and whistles that you can add on to a vehicle like the on the Tesla. They have that sentry mode where. And it records um, 360 degrees around your car and you put your car in sentry mode. And so if anybody gets near it, it records what's going on and then saves that just in case um, something happens. Can I ask why they call it sentry mode? Sentry, S-E-N-T-R-Y, not 100 century. Oh, (laughs) sentry. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yeah, the car is on guard. Um, Yes. But the uh, <laughs> yes, and Aaron can drive his car with his PlayStation controller now. Maybe I, I don't know if you want to, though. Well, it depends, Aaron. Do you have a steering wheel controller? You know how you see some of those. I'm oh, sorry, I'm gonna say it those gamers, those total losers of the steering. I feel like yeah. my I feel like my nephew Hanson has one of those. And by the way, when I say nephew Hanson, he's like 30 years old, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's not, nothing wrong with, with being into games, but. Um, so yeah, they're going to redefine the electric vehicle and I have no idea what that means, but they're going to redefine it. Maybe they're going to put six wheels on it. Maybe. I don't don't know. know. I'm excited to see it. Maybe everything is just virtual. Like what's the difference between virtual reality and augmented reality? Um, virtual reality is when you are like a hundred percent immersed into the computer, the game, whatever it is. Augmented reality is where you're in the real world, but you have like some computer help. I so, believe. so like the Google glass back in the day when they tried to, Oh, okay. I, I believe that's what that was augmented reality. Yes. I okay. Believe, All it's right. Just enhancing so the, your real world experience. So is the metaverse augmented or virtual? I have no idea. 
I, I don't know. I never really looked into it because you know just, what we need to do. We need to get a we need to get a metaverse expert on our show. I, I don't know if I want to talk about that. Uh, well, I think we, we're I think we're going to have to. Yeah. All right. What else you got? You got anything? Well, else yeah. On that so topic? so then redefining. So mm-hmm. um, an interesting uh, story I read today. Uh, banks. Uh, there's some study that Bankrate did. Bankrate.com did about uh, people and their um, loyalty to their banks and most. Most Americans have had the same checking account with their bank for like 17 years or something mm-hmm. like that. And there's a, a multiple reasons why um, it's a pain in the ass to switch. It's a pain in the ass to switch, um, man. If it's not broken, no need to fix it because like, I just need my checking account and it's already connected to things and mm-hmm. I can just, I don't have to do anything, mm-hmm. like think about it. Um, but they were talking about, oh, well, we need to figure out a way to improve the customer experience. And it's like, okay, it, it like goes back to, I also shared that article with you earlier this week about Verizon updating their terms where they're going to just basically track everything that you do and you have to, you're automatically opted in and you have to go into your account and opt out in order to not get this. And basically with the banks, with Verizon, with all of these companies, they're tr- going out of their way to try and improve your experience but i'm like there's nothing wrong with my experience i put my money in a bank account i can pay my bills with it i can withdraw it when i want some i don't need anything else i don't need you to customize my banking experience i just i want you to really actually just leave me alone just do your job (laughs) yes i was just thinking i don't feel like like i just feel like i want that to be a very low touch leave me alone like it's never a good sign when your bank is calling you like that's not oh, good no, news. Nobody, nobody ever wants a phone call from their bank. No, that's not good news. Even like when you're expecting, like, oh yeah, your loan has been approved. You still don't want to have that phone call. No, because, just send me an email or yeah. shoot me a text. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't feel like we don't need to redefine the banking experience unless you're going to talk to me less. I'm I'm here for that. And my bank doesn't really talk. I've been with my bank for like 20 years. Yeah. Well, like so, I'm I use Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. I've I've been with them probably about the same. Well, I was with Wachovia way back in the day. But then, they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Right? Wells yeah. Fargo, I think bought them. So yeah, they I, did. Okay. Then I, by default became a Wells Fargo customer. Um, and they have their payment app Zelle that they have been trying to push on me for years now. It's like, it's easier. Just use Zelle. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure that everything that I'm doing right now is just as easy as this stupid app that nobody asked you to create. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. All right. Hey, you got another? I got a story. All right, go ahead. That I feel like is going to be um, inter- of interest to you. Uh, and it uses one of these words that we both hate, buzzword in here. But the headline is normalizing, but not back to normal. The U.S. job market in 2022. Normalizing. So the job market is normalizing, but it's not back to normal. How does that headline make sense? It doesn't. Okay. I didn't think so. So basically the, the gist of the story is that while the unemployment rate has been falling for months, the labor force participation rate has barely budged. So the headline is a contradiction of itself. And I feel like those two sentences are contradictions of themselves. Well, I hate the whole unemployment, uh, rate discussion like the numbers behind it because they're completely manipulated to be to make it and regardless of who's in power make it 
more like paint a rosier picture than it is because they're like, well, they haven't looked for a job in two months. So we're not going to count them. And like, you know, that person's 22, but they might be in college. We're not going to no, no. And you don't get in, in when your unemployment ends, you no longer get counted as being unemployed, but you still don't have a job. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, I don't like any of those numbers and I hate the whole normalizing new normal, all of that, because yeah, like if I, I don't want to say that the crazy world that we live in right now is normal because it's not. No, it's not. There's one other story that I didn't I didn't write, but I I, I heard this morning that there is a um the teachers union in Chicago. Have you heard this story? Mm-mm. The teachers union in Chicago, and I think this just happened yesterday, voted and basically forced closed all the schools, all the public schools in, in Chicago because of the virus leaving and and giving no notice, they just stopped showing up. Sure. Imagine if any business in this country could allow their employees to vote to close the business, but the employees still got paid. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, I vote for that. You're going to pay me. I'm going to go home and I'm not going to do any work. Cool. I'm in. That's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely. It sounds like the past two years, really. It really does. For sound most like, people. <laughs> it really does sound like the past two years. Yeah. All right. One last story that I want to touch on. Um and I love this because uh, the crypto crimes were up like 80%. Um, and that's the headline all across the news. Crypto crimes up 80%. And it's like trying to paint this terrible picture about cryptocurrencies. When in fact, if you look at what they're talking about, it's like people stealing crypto, not like doing illegal things with crypto. It's right. like, like you have crypto, I steal your crypto wallet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's like... It's ridiculous. And then if you look at the actual numbers in there, it's so far like skewed in terms of like the number of transactions that happen versus the actual number of crimes and types of crimes and all that. And people love to paint, oh, crypto is only used for illegal stuff. When if you look at the actual numbers, real cold, hard cash is used way more than crypto for anything illegal. Right. People just like, you know, big tech and Government don't they don't want us using crypto they don't they can't track it exactly well yeah. they can but it's just it, it's a whole other conversation can for they a tax show. It? Yeah. They're, they're gonna try to and that's the big <laughs> thing so yeah. all right well we got to uh, get going it's the end of the show there great show thank you yeah Julie. I, want, I want to tell you the number one thing I learned today really oh quick. yeah go I learned today that Aaron is not our producer he's an audio engineer oh. and I am never gonna make that mistake again perfect all right all right you know how you can find us. Yeah, go to our website, sbpace.com. And to this was Defeat the Chaos with Julie Traxler and Corey Harris. Thanks, everyone.